Welcome to The Process. I'm Josh Mosco with our co-host Tyler Wellner today, and we got a ton going on. For starters, Gordon Hayward's dead. <laughs> Second, <laughs> game high of the Sixers' first game. Wasn't Bradley Beal. Wasn't John Wall. Wasn't Jaleel Okafor. Was Robert Covington. And last, but certainly not least, Bobby Portis is in jail. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. A little depressed after that loss, though. Yeah, a lot I mean, to be positive about. The process is dead. It was a complete failure. It's a joke. Sam Hinkie is the worst. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, after that loss, I think we should we should tank again. You know, start over. It didn't work. I mean, trade we're, everyone. We're we're trade almost, him for draft picks. Screw we it. are fucking there, man. We got 81 more games to go, and we'll. Uh, uh, we'll find someone good. So, thoughts? What was your initial uh, initial perspective on Game One of Season Four? Um, I thought there were some players that did really well and that I was impressed by. Uh, just in general, though, before we get into the specifics, I thought offensively we moved the ball pretty well at the beginning. It seemed like there was a little bit too much isolation. Um, defense, obviously, there's a lot to work on. We kind of got torched on the pick and roll. Um, with John Walls, uh, when they were supposed to be a big man covering him, he would just he ruined us. Um, I, you know, I love the grit coming back from multiple large deficits, several points during the game. Um, unfortunately, at the end, we couldn't figure out a way to uh, get buckets in the crunch time. But uh, you know, it was an awesome start to the season, and the Wizards are going to be up there for winning the Eastern Conference right, right. Um, yeah, that, that's, regular that's, season championship. You, so, like. That the bar is set, like we're gonna be a contender. Right. No, we're we're good. It's uh, you know I already feel the sixth seed is coming. You know I think Okafor, like I've said now, Okafor. I think Embiid, like I've said many times before, will play approximately half of the games this season. And I hope someone comes back in a year from now and proves me wrong and plays this segment and he's the MVP of the league. Uh, but I'm still concerned about his injury and you know he's frustrated. Obviously, we all saw what he posted um, about minutes restrictions and. Like you said, this is an incredible team that we played. You know, I, I don't think anyone would deny that they will be a top four team in the East, right? I mean, obviously, Boston's up there, even without Hayward. Obviously, the Cavs, as I bet on against you, are still the favorite to win the East. Um, and then besides that, I, I, you know, there's obviously a little bit of a drop-off until the Wizards, but I don't really see anyone else really competing even for that fourth spot uh, or giving much of a uh, run, excuse me, for that third spot. So, you know, we put up a hell of a fight, and at the end of the game, at the end of the game, yeah, we couldn't close. I think a lot of it had to do with passing too. So, like, you know, Roberts passed at the end of the game. Bayless has passed it. It kind of, you know, they didn't half-ass it, but it didn't seem like they were ever worried or freaking out about being in that position. Uh, it almost just seemed like they didn't care. Did you get that at all? So I don't think that at the end of the game they were there was a lack of trying. I just think that it was actually there was some sloppiness that kind of continued throughout the entire game and was evident at the end with that bad pass by Covington and some sloppy mistakes. But one example that sticks out to me was Embiid gets a rebound, looks at Ben Simmons to at the ball and bring it up the court, instead starts dribbling, finally crosses half court, then looks to pass to somebody, 
and sloppily hands it hands it off and it gets stolen right. and it leads to I think a Bradley Beal three right um and it was just plays like that where it's like Embiid you know the right play I'll let the ball let the point guard bring it up you're not a ball handler right yeah let your six um, ten power forward who thinks he's a point guard bring it up yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Okay, the best player that big since Magic Johnson. But um yeah, it was just like sloppy plays like that. Right. And and I think that's exactly what I was I'm I was trying to say was that it wasn't that they were lazy. It was when people play lazy, it looks like they're or excuse me, when people play sloppy, it looks like they are being lazy. And so the opposite's true, you know, to some degree it's correlated, right? They looked like they were playing sloppy, and so it almost felt like they were being lazy, even though they clearly weren't, and even though they were all clearly fired up about their first game. So, uh, let's talk about our three rookies. As uh, I forget who it was, I think it might have been Jalen Rose before the game called them. I know, I think it was Paul Pierce uh, called Embiid a rookie, but his point was just that you know when you played 31 games in three years, or I think he calculated that to be 14%, which is great math by the way. 31, you know, divided by 246. That's that's that is great math for an analyst. Um, as a rookie, what do, what did you make about? I guess let's focus more on uh, Fultz and Simmons first. Uh, um, starting with Fultz, I thought he did fine. Um, he was, in my opinion, a little bit antsy at the beginning of the game and was like looking to get that first bucket a yeah. little bit too hard. Um, I love that he was attacking the rim though and was not hesitant. He got blocked by John Wall a couple times, but you know. That, that'll happen. John Wall is an elite defender. I think he'll learn to adjust his body and go to the rim a little bit stronger next time. Um, you didn't see him take too many jump shots. I was really disappointed with his free throws. I was going to say that too. That was one of the two things that I could not believe. And I remember when we talked about our our draft our draft picks and the, the mock board that we did, the big board. Um, when I was researching Fultz, one of the things I came across was that 65% free throw percent in college. Mm-hmm. And apparently he's been dealing with shoulder pain this summer. He kind of went um, completely reworked, you know, his off shot. the radar and and reworked his shot, yeah. and it looks horrible. It, right. Like there is hack a shack. There's going to be hack of faults. No, like, there's, there's, the, not, there's not going to be half hack of faults because because even at uh, can't shoot. even at sixty five percent problem. It, I don't know if you're saying that seriously. I think it's going to be worse than that. I think it's going to be worse than 65%. Right. I, I think, it's going to I be think worse. he hasn't found. That was a horrible shot. I think he hasn't found his shot yet. But, you yeah, know, with the new legislation on, you know, hack a player, <clears throat> it's a lot less of an incentive to do so. So, uh, yeah, that was one thing that surprised me about him. The second thing that I was a little bit, once again, like, I guess pleasantly surprised with was his athleticism on defense in particular. So he had this one block on Kelly yes, Oubre. absolutely. When I shit was, my pants, awesome. right? I looked down and I just had shit my pants. I could not believe it. I was like, oh my God, what do we have here? So I'm excited for that. Um, you know, overall, I think he had about the game we expected. It was no Michael Carter-Williams, uh, you know, first game of his career. It was no Joel Embiid, first game of his career. Uh, even Okafor, I think, had a pretty good first game of his career. But... Nonetheless, he was playing with a new system, and by a new system, I don't mean a new system to him. I mean the whole system itself had their first game. You know, you put in Redick, you put in uh, Bayless, who hasn't played with this system. You know, what he played five games last season, and he started. Um, really, the only piece that's keeping the whole thing consistent year after year is Robert Covington. So, 
I wasn't surprised. In fact, I was pleasantly, um, not surprised, but, you know, I, I was happy with how the team performed. Moving on to Simmons, I thought he had an awesome debut. I'm kind of interested to see what his jump shot looks like because apparently he's put a ton of work into it, and he, it really didn't take any jump shots. But he gets to the rim at ease, so why would you? He gets fouled every time or is able to get to the basket. Even with guys going under the pick and roll, he seems to have that really worked out. Um, he seemed to run the offense um, pretty great as well, and you know I was really impressed by by what he did getting rebounds, pushing the ball. I think he's the fastest, like, sprint time in NBA combine history. Yeah. Um, dribbling a basketball from end to end. So that was clearly evident. He moves the ball up with incredible pace, you know, can yeah. find the guys on the outside. It, um, it, it kind of looks like to me when somebody plays with their younger brother's friends in basketball and whether or not they are the best ball handler on the court, they are so much bigger than everyone else, they can bring it coast to coast easily. And, you know, run people over. So, I totally agree. I was excited to see him play. Um, Who would you say was – or give me two players that you were most impressed by. Okafor. Um, Okafor did a great job. Didn't miss a shot. His haircut looks great. Great person. He The vegan diet. I'm surprised he didn't go paleo on that vegan too. That would have been even better. But um, two players I was uh, pleasantly surprised with. Uh, Covington, right? He had 29 points and uh, had a good defensive game, as we would expect from the fourth place, you know, runner of the year. Uh, excuse me, rookie of the uh, defensive player of the year candidate. That was one. Second player, I mean, John Wall. I, I know you were thinking sixes there, but I, you know, he never ceases to amaze me. What about two least imp- or? Which two players were you most disappointed in from the Sixers tonight? Um, honestly, I, I don't think I saw enough of any player because they had such a good rotation. So, J.J. Redick, I would say I was slightly disappointed uh, with his performance. Not that I expected him to hit a drifting three-point shot with, you know, eight, ten seconds left in the game, um, especially when he was guarded decently well. But it almost looked like he was trying too hard. Um, and I know he's getting paid a lot and wants to justify, uh, you know, perhaps a longer, richer salary in the years to come as he is a, an unrestricted free agent, obviously, next offseason. But I think, in general, it's too early to tell um, just because we did have a good rotation and it went deep. And even though, you know, I think they only played nine guys tonight, it still uh, was well-balanced to the point where those nine guys, no one really had, you know, a an abnormal amount of minutes. I'm going to have to – I'm going to disagree with you hard on this one because J.J. Redick was up there for two of – the most impressive players on my my list. I was yeah. Why is gonna, that? If two the two best players, two most impressive players in my mind um, of what I was not expecting were JJ Redick, Bayless, and maybe Covington. But I thought he had it in him. Covington was a pleasant surprise because last season he started off so cold from three points. So that was just unbelievable the showing he put on. What, what did Redick went four for eight from three yeah. and had four assists and just the spacing he provided opens so many things up like him running off of screens i thought he 
you know, took his shot when he needed it. It's just like, you, like the margins in basketball are so small. And the fact that he was able to just spread the floor and open it up was just unbelievable to me. Um, and Jared Bayless provided the same exact thing um, that I think J.J. Redick did, just with spacing the floor, being another option where somebody can shoot from three. Um, whereas last season we were, you know, relegated to other players that didn't necessarily have those capabilities. And then going down into my two least impressive players of the night, um, the first one who I thought you definitely would have said would have been Dario Saric, who I think only had three points. Oh, disappointing. Um, yeah, I have only three points from Dario. He didn't do anything spectacular. His, his shot was short. I think he had maybe one block on John Wall, which is pretty cool. But outside of that, and he didn't really contribute. He was very underwhelming. And then I was actually kind of uh, disappointed with Embiid um, during the middle of the game. He was resorting to fadeaway jumpers, was kind of forcing it. The offense wasn't moving. And um, he was, I think, trying to do a little bit too much in my mind. Um, throughout the middle of the game. Um, so, yeah, I was a little disappointed with him. You you kind of want him to get down in the post, post guys up, use his pump fake, and get easy buckets rather than falling in love with a three-pointer. We know he can shoot it, but uh, there's there's better shooters on the team now, and he doesn't need to take those kind of shots. So I was disappointed with him at times. Mm -hmm. At the end of the game, he had some nice minutes that he put together, but Dario and Embiid, for me, were the two least impressive, and two most impressive i would have said um and B and jj B and, and, B and was disappointing. was awesome and B was disappointing with 18 points yeah i think he could have done even better i think this the bar for him is so high you have to think of you know who are the best players in the nba and compare them to that standard and you really don't want your center taking how many threes did he take and B took four. he was over four from three and uh, didn't necessarily need to take any of those um, he was seven for for fifteen from three, and I think like five or six of those shots he shouldn't have even taken. Like you want your center to have a really high field goal percentage, and shooting less than fifty percent is is not too great. Yeah, I think that, that Embiid and Simmons are so unconventional with their abilities that it's it's hard to you know generalize and say Embiid is a center. And yes, he is a center for sure. No one's doubting that, right? But even with as a center, it's hard to say. Oh, he needs to, you know, have a high. Okay. Free, you know take I mean? take that take that argument away. But I didn't like seeing him taking fadeaway jumpers off yeah. balance. He's like clearly, very early he's, into he's the shot he's, he's I agree. And like, like I know he can make them and stuff, but that we have so many weapons. We're like the thing that I think stood out to me most was how deep we were. Like, Stoskis didn't get any minutes. Like Rashawn Holmes was hurt, so I guess yeah, he didn't play. But Okafor didn't get any minutes. Yeah. Luawu barely played. Like, we didn't even consider Anderson Lu 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 to go Lu 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 got 18 like, minutes. Luawu got 18 minutes. Okay, yeah, but yeah. Okay, you're TJ. right. He played more than Fultz. Played more than Amir Johnson, oh. who I felt like was out there for the whole time. I, I loved um, – oh, Amir Johnson was also really disappointed in me. He fouled out in, what, 20 minutes or something? 15 minutes? I thought he was solid. I thought he was solid, but he fouled out. Like, there was but a couple times well he got stuffed. Like, we're taught. Yeah. Honestly, I see him as um, – as a not end of the bench guy, but as a as a guy who can come in, you know, after Rashawn and basically, you know, be a solid defender and can help facilitate on offense, but isn't going to really bring a burst of energy. And yes, sure, uh, our one of our very special previous guests would disagree, 
Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything special with him, but I, I also wasn't expecting anything, so I wasn't disappointed. Point being, uh, or maybe not point being, unrelated, I was surprised about J.J. Reddick's 17-point uh, plus or minus and Fultz's negative uh, 18 plus or minus. Damn. Um, that's not real plus minus, right? That's just plus that minus. That's not real plus minus. There, there's still something to be said about that. That's interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Luau looks like had the worst at minus 19. Right. Um, I want to go back to pregame. So, obviously, it's ESPN. It's exciting. The Sixers are finally becoming something. Blah, 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 blah. All the bullshit and then the hype that goes with that. Uh, Jalen Rose <laughs> said that um, the first seven spots in the Eastern Conference are locked. He also said that this is Embiid's third season. So I'm not sure, first of all, just side note, if he's combining his first two seasons as a half season or what it is, but um, he seemed kind of like a naive Howard Eskin in terms of his, uh, his opinion on the process. And like we've talked about a thousand times, it's okay if you don't appreciate the process. It's okay if you don't support it, but at least have some you know, amount of energy invested in, in at least reading about it, right? It kind of felt, I mean, I don't know how close you follow Jalen Rose, but it kind of felt like he was one of the guys who uh, sort of just puts, dismisses the whole notion without really considering it. Yeah. yeah. It's so, like, some of these guys are just idiots. Like, they're funny personalities and they're, they're entertaining, but, like, they don't know shit. Like, Granted, he's an NBA player, knows a ton about basketball, right. but he's not intellectual and doesn't know how to consider the idea of here's another way to look at it. Here's an outside way of thinking about basketball on how to, to you know, build a team. And it, I understand his perspective because he's a guy who's done this way, done a certain, done a certain way his entire life, like was brought up doing this, like thought about basketball this way. And he went pro. Like, why would he be wrong? Right. Like, no one's ever taught him otherwise. This is the way he grew up. Like, I'm a pro. It must be right. Yeah. But, like, guys like Hinky, who, you know, didn't have these natural abilities or, you know, didn't work hard um, on the game and had to, you know, think of other ways to develop a competitive advantage or they brought an outside thought process into the NBA, um, their ways of thinking are no less valid until proven otherwise. And, it's too early to tell, but the process is looking bright. Yeah, I mean, Chauncey called him out and was like, he said something like, like tricky wordplay, I think, I think was what he said. Um, and I think, like we've talked about in the past, offline, people don't realize um, how meaningful the specific words that they use can be. And so while saying the first seven spots are locked might be, you know, to him sound like, oh, it's something in passing and that, oh, it's a disappointment if the Sixers don't make, not a disappointment, I, I forget what his wording was, you know, some type of um, negative feeling if they don't make the playoffs. I think he needs to be careful of what he says because um, there's a lot more to consider. Who was he implying would have been the team on the, on the margins that would have been fighting for the last spot? Did he say the Sixers were a lock, or was it no, the Sixers said, were out of the He said the Sixers were – he said the first seven are a lock, 
and then the eighth spot is in contention, and it's a disappointment if the Sixers don't get that eighth spot. So basically, okay, what it's so implying he is that he doesn't have the Sixers in the top seven. No, no, he doesn't. He listed the the Pistons were up there, which was surprising. He listed the Heat up there, which is somewhat surprising. So. Yeah, I would say I the only know. ones locked would have been the Celtics, Cavs, Wizards, Raptors, and Bucks, and Hornets. I'd say six are locked. Honestly, I don't even know how, about the Hornets. But yes, he did say the Hornets as well. So, anyway. Yeah, I disagree on the Pistons one big time. But I don't, you know, I could say the Sixers are better than... The Hornets. So, like, does that mean seven are locked up? Like, I think I think the Sixers are locked to make the playoffs. I think the Sixers are better than the Heat. I think the Sixers are better than all these teams. Like, yes, the East be, sucks, but what if Embiid doesn't play, you know, the half the season? So, yeah. Well, this is something that I actually want to talk about because about the, at the, about the minutes restriction. I was reading um, – I'm, I'm frustrated. I know, like, I, I get why they're, they're having the minutes restriction. And um, it seems like unrelated injuries – like, it seems like Embiid's healthy now. Like, he says he feels fine. He says it's bullshit that he doesn't get to play, like, the amount of time he should be playing. But the article that I read today was talking about the reason that they have him on a minutes restriction still. And it's not because of his prior injuries. It's about his clumsiness and awkwardness on the court for being a, a big man. And you sometimes see him, like, the way he limbers up the court for being so big and, like, his dunk last year where he came down. Right. Injuries sometimes occur when you're tired and your technique becomes lazy. Right? Yep. So, like, maybe you're overcompensating with certain muscles. Like, his knee might not be weak. They're not or limiting his um, minutes because of his knee. They're limiting his minutes because as a person – he might not have the endurance currently or the technique currently um, where right. he gets tired to avoid situations where he could get injured. And the way that they framed that made me seem to understand the minutes restriction a lot better than, you know, we're, we're afraid he's going to break his foot again or right. Right. we're afraid he's going to hurt his knee. Right. And, but, um, but it is, it is a combination. And, and I think it's difficult to say which is more, uh, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? I, it's difficult to say which is the is more impactful. I guess is the is the word I was looking for in terms of um, their caution. Not impactful in terms of, is more hmm, is more to do with their caution. I'm not sure what the word is that I was looking for, but nonetheless, um, I think it's smart that they're they're taking him out because I you know it just doesn't make sense for him to be jumping in the stands. It doesn't make sense for like you said while he's finding his rhythm to be playing him 35 minutes. And so tonight's 26 or whatever it was was a was a bit much in my opinion. But um, obviously they know his situation a lot better than I do. One last question before we wrap up: Would you say your outlook after tonight on the season win projections in your mind is higher or lower than what you thought before the first game. Completely. So like, let's say you had a number in mind for the amount of games the Sixers were going to win the season. Which I what did. was it? 45. And what is it after the first game? 45 and it is unchanged. I still can't believe, I didn't think Embiid was going to play in this first game. Um, I am surprised. So I was surprised that uh, Embiid 
did play and that he played as much as he did. And I was surprised that uh, Fultz played as little as he did. Um, but nonetheless, and maybe it's because they're offsetting to some degree, I still am leaving it at 45 and making a huge contingency on Embiid's health. Yeah, I think my my number was probably about 45 or 50. I forget what I said, but I think mine has dropped probably closer to 40. I was so impressed by them and their talent, but I think I, I overestimated was their, uh, you know, the growing pains that we're going to see, like that the turnover that I mentioned earlier by Embiid or their ability to close out games. And I think they're going to compete a lot harder with teams than they did last year, and they're going to win a lot more games. But just the jump between 29 and 50 is just is too big. And there's going to be instances where they're not going to be able to pull it out or it's going to be a back-to-back or, you know, weird things will come up. But um, very, very excited for the future in, in Philadelphia. Trust it, baby. So with that being said, this has been Tyler and Josh on the Sixers GM Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you.